Well, let's dive into our, our series this morning, and um, we're talking about home remedies. Let me start with a question we've kind of asked every week. Guess who hates your family? Hates your marriage, hates your home. The devil, the enemy of our soul, hates. And you go, hates? I mean, why us? And it's because of who made you and who has plans for you. And God wants to produce some happy, stable, fruitful, blessed people. And for them to have offspring and and for truth to go on to generations. And so the enemy loves to get involved in that. Now, let me go ahead and do a little very, very important disclaimer here. I don't know. I don't even know if disclaimer is the proper word for this, but this is not a house of condemnation. And we're going to be talking about biblical standards. And in doing so, we're going to find that in a lot of ways we've come short. And I don't want this to be a house of condemnation. Listen, we don't come to church, I don't believe, so you can get yelled at and reminded of all the bad stuff you did. You already know that. What we do is to come and get some help. Now, we're not soft on sin. We call people to repentance. We hold a clear biblical standard. But but I think this is better served as a house of grace and truth and love and encouragement and hope and help and progress. That's, that's the kind of house I think that this needs to be. And we're going to end up better off for that. In, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about, because I've had numerous ones of you saying, I wish I'd known this. I wish I'd known this. I wish I'd known this back then. Numerous ones uh, over the last couple of weeks and even this morning. And you know what? I, I want you to know that as long as, uh, well, let me just put it to you this way. There's still hope and there's still things that God can do. And I'll show you out of scripture and uh, we'll see that. So this is not a house of condemnation. Otherwise, we're all condemned. And if he were to number all our transgressions, who can stand? But what we have to do is attain to his standard and walk in his light and let the Holy Spirit help us where, where we are. And, and here's another thing. You know, I know the NSA and all that stuff, but guess who else knows your address? God. God knows your address and he, he can see more than Google earth. And, and that doesn't need to scare you. That needs to encourage you today. God knows where you live. He knows, he knows who, who's there. He knows the, the atmosphere. He knows, you know, everybody's a Christian happy about it or no, it's a kind of a split house or, or you're by yourself or, or whatever. God knows where that's at. Listen, God, God has this message for you, whoever you are today. And he's going to meet you here today as, as we share these things and over the next few weeks. So the devil can take out a person here and there, and that's tragic enough. But if for him to ultimately succeed, he has to destroy homes. He has to destroy marriages. He has to destroy families. And that's what he's trying so hard to do. He's after generations He doesn't want to just ruin your day. He loves to do that, but he doesn't want to just ruin your day. He's out to destroy generations and he's very intent on that. And can I go ahead and tell you, he's very effective at that. It was time that the church stand in the light, walk in the light. And God, God will help us with this to preserve what God wants to do from generation to generation. Can I get an amen or something here this morning? Our homes become ground zero. And uh, we're not just going to watch it happen. We're going to engage the enemy in this and, and stand up uh, in the way that we should. The enemy has, and here's part of to our advantage, is we know how he works. 
And the Bible says that he cannot take advantage of you unless you're ignorant of his devices. Well, we're not ignorant of his devices. And what he has overall is what I call a strategy of disintegration. You all hear me on this. Think of the word disintegrate, disintegrate, to separate the parts of, to reduce to pieces, to reduce to nothing. That's what the enemy wants to do. Uh, Literally also to break down, to break up, to break apart the cohesion. And he's constantly banging on that, trying to do things, uh, uh, bring things into your home, into your heart, into your mind, into your life to cause those things to happen and, and just infringe upon what God wants for your family. And we've, we've got to fight back on this and we can and, and we can win. Amen. And God's a creator and he's a redeemer and there's nothing that he cannot do. And it's important. And, and, and you might be just starting your family or, or, or you know, your kids are grown and gone or whatever the situation is, this all applies. And plus, we're not just in this for ourselves; We're in this to be helped so that we can be a help as well. So all of us will load up with, with some things here today. If you're with me, say, I'm here, pastor. All right. Proverbs 24, verse three and four in the Amplified Bible, it says through skillful and godly wisdom is a house. No, notice parenthetically, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And we find by comparison that the same things that God used to create the heavens and the earth and to create a paradise are the same things he prescribes to build a life, a home, and a family. And that is this. Godly wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Say that with me. Godly wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And understanding. And so God will use those things uh, that he used. He wants us to use to build our homes, our marriages, our families. And godly wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are not intuitive. They're not just, they don't just occur to us naturally. You know how I know that? Because if they did, everybody would be way better off. These are things that must be sought. These are things that must be gained. These are things we've got to go after intentionally to get these things, to get godly wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I advocate reading a proverb every day. Today is February, uh, excuse me, March 2nd. Lost a month. It's so cold. But um, today is Proverbs 2. And so don't do it now. Don't do it now, but later read at least the first six or seven verses. And it will talk about this incredible effort toward getting godly wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and the results of that. And you've got to go after it. Everybody say, go after it. Now, marriage, newsflash right here, marriage, raising kids, home, family, here's the newsflash, is hard work. Can y'all hear me? It's hard work. And I think you've got to know that up front. You've just got to know that because I think some people get disillusioned with that. And it takes work. Uh, I read a statistic the other day. 200,000 marriages will end this year in this country before making it to their second anniversary. And I don't think it's because of a lack of love. You know, people fall in love and, oh, you know, he's so hunky and she's so hot and her daddy's rich and, you know, and we laugh so much. And 
We're going to have pretty babies and, 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 and all that's well and good. Good for you. But you know what? 200,000 couples will not make their second anniversary this year. And it's not a lack of love. Let me tell you what it is a lack of. It's a lack of godly wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. There's some things that you've got to come to know. You've got to come to know these things, not just checklist. No, you've got to come to know these things so that you have these things, so that you walk in these things. So these things occur to you as, as you move and decide and do all of these things. You've got to have that. The prophet Hosea said, my people are destroyed for lack of ooey gooey love. No, they're destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we've got to have that if we're going to have a, a chance in this. And so really what we've got, how that comes to bear is, is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding concerning God's presence and God's truth. And that's what's going to help us to last and be all that God wants us to be. Let me move to another idea. In Proverbs 14, verse 13, in the English Standard Version, it says this. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and the end of joy maybe grief. And what I think that's saying is this, something that we need to know. Life is almost always a mix. Think about it. Life is almost always a mix. There, where there is joy, there can also be sorrow. Where there's grief, there can also be some happiness. And you've got to know that. Again, you're going to get disillusioned if you think that, you know, you're, you're, you're sour on your home situation right now because it's not perfect. Well, listen, it, life is almost always a mix. You know, I encourage people even around a, a, a funeral. We just attended one for Alicia's aunt. We were not expecting that she would pass when she did. She was so loved. And we went up in the St. Louis area. And it was amazing to me on her viewing on that, on that night. In the same room where there was sorrow, there was also laughter. In the same room where there was grief, there was also singing. And life is almost always a mix. And you've got to, don't get sour. Don't get an attitude. Don't get a mindset that, well, you know, this isn't all I signed up for. You know, there's always going to be a mix. There's always going to be a mix. Now, you don't leave things broken. You don't leave things broken. You know, I, when I was growing up, I had a, an electric train. I still have it in its original box from like 1820 or something, whatever <laughs> No, but uh, from when I was a little kid and uh, had this train and we, we would set it up and I, I would wear that thing out. I'd just lay there and just watch it and make it go too fast and it'd roll off and, you know, our chihuahua would get in the tunnel and I'd speed up and, and, <laughs> and just. But you know what, if, if a wheel got off track, you know, got off the track, you didn't just go, you fix it. And it was important I fixed it because it would start to spark. And we had cheap orange shag carpet that would melt. (laughs) There were melt spots all year long from, all right, where did we set up the train last year? Here it is, right here. But you fix what you can fix. But, but you've got to realize that life is almost always a, a mix. This is still earth. This is not heaven yet. And I don't want you to get so nose down on some things and realize, I thought it was going to all be happy. It's not going to all be happy until we get there. And it's always going to be kind of this fluid, fluid mix here. And, and here's, here's why you have to know that. It's because the enemy is trying to set you up 
to get you upset so that he can get you down and keep you down. But we're believers and we don't stay down. We're either up or we're, or we're getting up. And a righteous man may fall seven times, but he's going to get back up again and get back up again and get back up again. Well, I want to say it again. The enemy is trying to set you up to get you upset so that he can get you down and he can keep you down. But we don't play that because we're either up or we're getting up. Can, it, can I get an amen on that? And it's important that you know that and you embrace that, that you walk in that. or other, Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to have all your wheels off the track there. Now, let's move on to another idea this morning. We've got so much to cover in this series. I've kind of got a few bullet points for you here today. Let's look at these two prefixes here. Pre and re. Or if you're French, re. I don't, I don't know. Um, prefixes. What does pre mean? Before. What does re mean? It means again. So let's just, overarching, let's just put it this way. Prepare. So ahead of time you prepare. But you're probably going to have to come back and, and what? Repair. And it gets so damaged, it's even spelt different. And so, prepare, repair. You've got to be able to have that in your life. Now, now follow me on this. You've got to be able to have that in your life. A place where you can prepare and a place where you can repair. You know, uh, car racing. You've got to have a... A pit crew at a, a pit area where you can what? Repair, repair and uh, prepare and what? Repair. And repair. Uh, our army, our, our Marines or, you know, any of our armed forces, if they're going to engage in battle, they've got to have a place. They've got to have a base. We've got to have some camp. We've got to have something so that we can prepare and we've got to have a place where we can repair. Amen. Well, look at me about you. You've got to have a place where you can prepare. You've got to have a place where you're, where you're, you're being nourished in every way and you're growing and strong and ready. You've also got to have a place where you can repair. You've got to have a place where you can come back. And, and, and listen, there's two places in life, only two. There may be a rare other ones, but there's only really two places in this life for us to be able to have a place. Two places where we can prepare and repair. And let me tell you where they are. Home and church. Home and church. And the devil's against both of those. And you've got to have that. And if, you know, I talk to some people and they say, home is so bad, I can't wait to get to church. And sometimes we're closer to the family of God than the family that, you know, blood relatives. Be sweet. But we've got to have a place where we prepare and a place where we repair. There are three basic needs of every human being, every who's ever lived, who lives now, whoever will live, anybody, you know, everybody that's here today, three needs that everybody has to fill in their life or they're not going to be all, they won't be as whole as they're supposed to be. Number one, and I've talked about, about these before intimacy with God, intimacy with God. And I don't care if they're even not, not a believer. There is a need in them to have intimacy with God, intimacy, not in the Hollywood sense, intimacy in the sense of safe, Warm, close, I am known completely and loved completely. Intimacy with God. Second need that everybody has is intimacy with others. And it's in the same way. Safe, close, known, loved, 
You've got to have that. Everybody's got to have that. And the third is this self-worth. Everybody say self-worth. Self-worth. You've got to have, you've got to have a place where all those things are being nurtured in your life and growing in your life. And you know what? And you're going to go out in the world and they're going to assault your, your sense of intimacy with God and assault your sense with intimacy with others. And it's going to assault your sense of, of self-worth. And you've got to have a place then where you can come back and refresh and revise and recalibrate and repair. Are y'all with me? And restore and even repent. You've got, you've got to be able to go full circle in this. And church, I find a lot of times is this is the first thing that happens is the repair. I mean, you come dragging in from the week and, and you need to be repaired first. And it's like get refreshed and, and revitalized and that kind of thing. And now then, then we get prepared to go. Are, are y'all following me on this? And we've got to have that. And that's why the enemy is trying so hard. Because let me tell you what the world does. You get all prepared and you get outside in the world. And this is what it does. The world shakes you. The world shifts on you. The world shocks you. And if you don't do something about that, every day you're going to come more and more undone. Every day more and more damaged. For real. Every day that wearing on you. And you've got to be mindful, intentional about this. I've, I've got to repair and I got to prepare and there's two places to do it and it's home and it's church. And we've got to continue to make the rounds there and be, and be aware of this. This is why home has to be God honoring. This is why church has to be God honoring. And, and you say, well, I, you know, I'm the only one at my home that, that wants to honor God. That's all it takes. And I've told you this before and listen to me on this. It doesn't matter who else lives there. You're there. And you don't have to ask their permission. And I'm not being ugly against anybody. I'm just saying all you need to do is bring God home with you. And establish, say, God, in this place, this address right here, I need you in this house. I need you with me. And let his peace start to encroach upon every other chaotic thing that's in, in that atmosphere. Amen. Amen. He'll do it. He'll do it. Let's look in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want to go through a very important passage of Scripture, and then we're just going to draw a little plan out of this, and then we'll wrap this up for this morning. It says in, uh, beginning in verse 4, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, and you say, oh, well, see, that's not to me. Israel actually means this, he will rule as God. How many of you want him to rule as God? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The New Living says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. It says, you, say, that's me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And the results of that are incredible. We don't have time to go into all of that today. I just want to get this plan out to you. But I'm telling you, God is saying, get this in your house. Get this in your house. Get this in your house. Just start in your family, wherever you're at in in this whole deal. Get this in your house. Let's talk about it. First of all, he said, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. I I love, again, what the New Living says. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And so ultimately what you've got to come down to is this. Get this, get this. No other God, no higher truth. Say it with me. No other God, 
No higher truth. And you've got to get that settled. You've got to get that settled. Get that settled in your heart and get that into your house. No other God. Well, I don't know if everybody else in the house is going to go along with it. We're not asking them. And you don't have to join them all together. Just for you. And you're in that place. Greater is he that is in you than in the rest of the rooms. I changed the verse a little bit, but it worked. But greater is he that is in you. And, I, and, and listen, honestly, I can't. I can't address everybody's own individual situation. So I'm just going to come at you with the standards of Scripture. And God will help us from there. Amen. So in your house, get it settled. In your heart, get it settled. No other God, no higher law. It says that we're to teach, teach diligently and talk. We're to teach and talk, teach and talk. The word teach in the Hebrew means to point. And it's the idea of pointing out something. Not accusatory, but to impress something upon somebody, to help them to see something, to, to point out. That's what teaching kind of does. Sometimes I watch back the archives to, you know, just kind of uh, watch critically. I'm teaching and presenting skills and things like that. And I, I point a lot. <laughs> I've pointed my whole life. Um, but we point something out, but it says teach diligently. And that word diligently in the Hebrew actually means this to wet It's W H E T wet or sharpen wet or sharpen. And what it is, is the edge either has a rough spot or a dull place. And maybe y'all have, might have a rough spot. Okay. I have to ask the other question too. How many of you might have a dull place? Okay. Okay, and what it is, is through repeated, repeated friction and grinding that it actually will sharpen the edge and get the rough, the rough off. You can help me with this. The, get, the, get the rough off and get the, the dull sharp again. And so that's what we're doing when we're teaching. And listen, teaching in the home, and we'll find in a moment it's not all verbal, but teaching in the home is... is Life-giving. It's not this boom, boom, boom. You should not get belted with the Bible. It should not be this overbearing, heavy-handed, the laws of God. Man, I've seen some houses, if I was growing up there, I'd run away. Carnival comes through town two, three times a year. There's my ride right there. You know, just got to be better. But we're not talking about that heavy-handed kind of thing. Listen, Scripture points to it. And it, it calls out fathers because probably fathers are more prone to this. But Ephesians 6, 4 in the Amplified. But it's for all of us. It says, fathers, do not irritate or provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment. But rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Then in Colossians 3.21, also in the Amplified, Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them, lest they be discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated. Look, look in the brackets there. Do not break their spirits. And so there's a way to do this. There's a way to do this. And you know what? There are times, I, I'll just be honest, there were times where I just was, I'd be too hard on one of my kids about something. And, but you know what I've found? I've found that my knees bend and get me down to their level. And I've had to have times where I got on their level and I said, Daddy didn't handle that right. 
And as I looked, and stay with me on this, as I looked, I thought, how did I just handle it? You know how I handled it? The way my dad handled it. And it didn't help me. Generations. And I said, Daddy is sorry. And at some point you commit yourself, I'm going to do it like Jesus. I'm going to do it the way the Word of God says. And listen, if, you, if you've messed it up, there's still time to just humble yourself. You know what the Bible teaches? Humility releases grace. That's for somebody here today. Notice. Notice it says to teach and to talk about God and his ways, about his presence and his truths. When you sit in your house and when you walk around and when you lie down and when you rise up, consistency is the key. And you know what you need to have? You need to have, it, it's more about lifestyle than lecture. It's more about lifestyle than lecture. Listen, I told you life is almost always a mix. Y'all still with me? There are times where you go through stuff and you don't need to hide it from your kids. I mean, you don't need to tell them we're $30,000 short. You don't, you don't need to burden them with everything. But you know what? When you're going through stuff, you need, they need to see mom and dad. They need to see you. Well, what are they, how are they going to handle this? They call upon a living God. There have been times over the years we said, kids in the kitchen, just to talk about something, or just to pray. You know, and you go through a hard time. You got a big decision, uh, some kind of challenge, whatever, whatever it would be. Your lifestyle is going to be so loud in that house. Instead of, don't bother daddy because he's going through something. You know? Or rather, we can have the peace of God that passes understanding that guards our hearts and mind and guides us through this. And we call out to God and you let your kids know God will come through. God will come through. God's going to help us with this. God will come through. And then when he does. And then when he does, make sure that they see you thanking him. Guys, God got us through. Or, hey, we're almost all the way through. God's with us. It's important that that's going on in your home. And you say, teach? I don't know enough to teach other people. Let me give you the first law of teaching. All you got to do is be one day ahead. Well, I think I'm way ahead of y'all then. Y'all didn't even get that. Just got to be one, one day ahead of the class. But think about this. What if you're looking for a job or at your place of employment and they said there's a a big promotion, a big raise, and we're looking for somebody for this, but you got to know this. And you go, well, I don't know those things. How long are you going to do that? How long are you going to be that? Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know any of these things. You know what you need to do? You need at some point square up and say, do not pass me by. I am the guy. I'm the gal for the job. And I'm going to go learn what I need to learn so you can do that. Well, all the more important would be home and family. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to show them all the more important. I will go find out what I need to know. And you're good. You're good. You got here and you better make sure you hear the rest of the series so that we, so that we can get these things so that we can learn so that we can teach. Then it says in verse eight to bind them, these teachings, these sayings as a sign on your hand. It's like a reminder. The Israelites would actually take the edges of their robes and tie a knot in them. And I think that we should start doing that again. Like, wow, pastor's got a lot to remember. It's it's like tying a 
a string on your finger. What it's saying is you're going to have to do something to help you remember. The Jews even had these little boxes that they would wear. A little headband and a little leather box that they would write scripture that they needed to remember. Roll it up. Memorize it. Roll it up. Put it in that little box and all day long it's just dangling right right in front of them. We have them for sale in the cafe. (laughs) Well, listen, because I can't remember. Do you know what one of the most important ones I did? We just read it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. It's saying there's no other God, no other God, no other God, because their world was assaulting them that there were so many other gods. And we've got to do what it takes to remind ourselves, remind ourselves of what God has said of his truths and of his presence in our life. Then just one last thing, and it says, and write them on the doorposts. And on the gates, write them on the doorpost and on the gates. Sounds like decorations almost. Now think about this and think about your home. The Israelites kind of lost the spirit and the design of all of this and they became superstitious. So they started hanging up like charms and amulets and, and things like that. And you know what? Sometimes Christians aren't far off from that. You know, if we got our special macrame thing on the wall and our 36-pound Bible on the coffee table and one under the bed so that we can ward off evil spirits and bring blessing into our house. How many of you know it doesn't really work that way? But let me ask you a question. Think about your house. If somebody came to visit you and you didn't say a word, would they know what you're about? If someone, God forbid, broke into your house and you're not there, And they're looking around in your house. And they go, huh, NASCAR? Precious moments? Gators? Farrah Fawcett poster? (laughs) If someone were in your house, would they know what you're about? I did something this morning. I got up really early. Anyway, and then I got up earlier on Sunday. And I was praying and going all over this. And I, and I know my house. I know my home. It's my favorite place on the planet. And I decided to walk around. And I looked at our walls. First of all, there's not a bare wall in our home. I love it. But I walked around purposely. I looked at all of our walls. And I saw two things. It told me two things that if I walk around, what would this house say? What's important to these people? Family and God. Except for one thing that's like right over the kitchen sink. And it says, be careful how you address the queen. (laughs) But that's kind of, kind of scriptural because if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And listen, our family, our home, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. It's always a mix. But I know what way we're headed. I know which way our hearts and minds are. And I can say, I can say of us, and I pray this for you too. No other God, no higher truth. And this is a place where we can prepare. And this is a place where we can repair. And this is a place where God's presence is welcome. Matter of fact, it's insisted upon that your presence be in that home. And I pray it's a place where 
peace is always there. Every time I come, every time I go, peace to this place, peace to this house. And guys, we got to contend for this. We can't just let it just happen. It's not que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, and we're just happy and whatever. You know, garbage. You got to contend for this because the devil, he's, he's not just so active and ugly. He's very covert and sneaky. And you need to guard it. You need to guard it. And you know what? God, I know we're still on earth, but God can bring some heaven into our homes. And he can fix what's happening. And, and let me just say this again. He knows your house. He knows. He knows. He knows. My prayer for you is there be peace. Peace in your home. Take these things. Take these things. And take God home with you. He's not just here. He's with you. And invite him and create more and more space for him where you live. Amen. We're not done with this, but I got to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this today? All right.